If you'll turn to Second Timothy, the second chapter and verse 15, I would like for you to go with me in prayer for just a moment before our lesson. Holy Father, we lift up our voice to you, the great and eternal God, at whose right hand our Savior and our Lord, the Lamb, that was slain from the beginning of time for the sins of all the people. As we come into your divine presence and before you, our great God and our great Creator, we ask you for strength, strength to impart the truths in your word in such a way that those who do not understand it may understand. And those who understand it may even have a greater understanding. And since it is the seed of the kingdom planted into our hearts, it causes us to grow spiritually, as you have stated. Help us to feed upon it passionately and with eagerness as we study and as we learn. And we ask your blessings upon Brother Bettner to give him peace, to give him the right thoughts of mind that he may take care of his health, that his life and usefulness for you may be continued to be useful. We pray for the Palmer family, who's in whose family at least four of them have been ill this week. We ask you to bless them and help them to recover quickly. For Geneva Ziegler and Bobby Jean, who has pneumonia. And for Faye and Juanita, who needs our prayers. And for those who have lost loved ones, Marge Carmack, give her a special blessing, O oh Father. We know that she's hurting and that she has many emotions. Give her strength. For the others who have lost loved ones, we pray sincerely for them that their loss may be soothed by your precious great strength. Those that are in the hospital, like Sister Lamb, help her and help us to encourage her. And the others who are needing our help and encouragement, forgive us of our sins, clothe us, clothe us with your presence and your spirit, and bless us all as we depend upon you in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> as you can see, the Word of God, the Old Testament, and the New Testament is pictured here. And if you can picture the Old Testament, I don't have it written there, but 
with 39 books, and then with the New Testament with 27 books. This is God's, God's message to us. This is God's library. And the 39 books we have no doubt all memorized, and we could always say them, like the five books of law, the 12 books of history, the five books of poetry, and the five books of the major prophets, and the 12 books of the minor prophets. And in those 39 books, we have the silver thread of Jesus Christ woven through each of them. And in the 27 books, <clears throat> we have four writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who has given us a four-dimension picture of the life of Christ. Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us what we call the synoptic gospels, which is sort of parallel. John goes back further than any of them and gives us the beginning of Jesus, that he was in the beginning with God, and that he preexisted, and he gives us a spiritual insight to the graciousness and to the love of our Savior. And then there's one great book in that book of New Testament, which we call Acts. It's Acts, we call it the Acts of the Apostles, but it's Acts of just two apostles, really. There's a few more mentioned in there. Peter dominates the first half. Paul dominates the last, from the 13th on. And they both give us a bird's eye view of Jesus Christ living as the Prince of Life and working in people who receive his gifts and the confirmation that he really was the Christ. And many people were saved, and the people that were saved were written to. There are epistles of letters to help them to live closer to God. Some were written to individuals. Paul wrote 14 if he wrote Hebrews. And then the last one, as John wrote his gospel, and he wrote 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, he finally gave us a glimpse of the finish of the great struggle between Jesus and Satan. And Jesus won. And Jesus is reigning. And Jesus came back to John and said, I'm the one that was dead, I'm alive forevermore. You tell the churches, I'm alive. And I've won. I have won. I'm the living one. And the angel that gave it, John tried to worship him three times. He said, stand up. I'm just a person in the kingdom. I'm one of your fellow brethren. I'm a participant in the kingdom. We're going to talk about that kingdom. It was in force. Look at the Old Testament. The promise was made in Genesis 3, verse 15. When man said, 
Satan was the culprit. Satan was the devil. Satan was the deceiver. Satan was the one that gave him trouble, and he still gives us trouble. But when he caused man to sin, there was a promise in the 15th verse that God made to Satan. He said, I'll tell you, the son, the seed of woman is going to really bruise your head. You may bruise his heel, but he's going to put you in your place. And in long years after that, he made the promise and renewed it to in Genesis 12. You have it down there in verse 3. And in verse 22, he said, In thee, Abraham, and thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And sure enough, over on the other side, all of that's fulfilled. In Galatians 3.16, when Paul wrote to all the churches, he said, when he made the promise to Abraham, he said, to thee and thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. He said, unto thy seed as of one, and of thy seed which is Christ. He fulfilled that. Christ is a seed. He's present this morning. He's in us if we'll open our minds. He has saved us. He washes us from our sins, and he gives us strength, and we can pray through him to the holiness of God and before the throne. Matthew 3 tells about that. Matthew 10 tells about it. And Jesus himself tells about it when he, would, when he was about to go to the cross. He said, Peter, who am I? He said, Oh, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar Jonah, flesh and blood hath not revealed that unto thee, but my Father who is in heaven. And he said, Upon this rock, but Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I'm going to build my church. And the gates of the unseen world, the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, shall not keep me from doing it. And sure enough, he went to the cross. And when he was telling Peter that, he said, Lord, you not go up to Jerusalem and be killed and, and tried. He said, this won't happen to you. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Yes, it's going to happen. And he said, I'll tell you something else, Peter. If a person tries to save his life, instead of giving it for me, he'll be lost. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I'm the way to salvation. And in the next chapter, the Father spoke. As he took Peter, James, and John upon the Mount of Transfiguration, and he was betrayed before him. And they talked about that death, that he would die. Moses and Elijah was there. And as they talked about that death and that departure, Luke says, it's the 17th chapter of Matthew, but it's over in Luke also. It said, Peter was just 
he just erupted and said, Oh, it's good to be here. There's Elijah and there's Moses. Let's build a church for every one of them. A tabernacle. God took them away. They fell down as dead men. And they heard his voice say, This is Jesus. This is my son. My only begotten son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And we're to hear him. And the chapter before that, he told Peter, he said, I'm going to give you the keys. Build my church. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. He used it interchangeably. Now, if you look on your outline here, it was promised in Genesis. It was fulfilled over in Matthew. In Mark 9 and 1 on your outline, when Jesus was present, he said, there's going to be some here that taste of death until they see the kingdom of God come with power. You know where that happened? Right in Acts 2. The power came. The Holy Spirit came. They were there. It's true they hadn't died. He said, you're going to see the kingdom come with power. But you know, Acts 1 and 8 through Acts 2.47 tells all about that. They came when he was risen from the dead. They came to him and said, Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He says, Not given for you to know. You go into Jerusalem and you tarry there until you be endued with power from on high. And he said, You go, make, you'll be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Yes, it was fulfilled, and that's what happened. In Acts 2, the first gospel sermon was preached. In Colossians 1 and 13, when he wrote back to the Colossian brethren, he said, You have been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. It's here. The premillennial, premillennial teaching the teaching of people that get us excited and said he's coming back to reign on the earth. It isn't true. He's at the right hand of God. He's reigning now in the hearts and lives of people. That's a false teaching. Don't look for something that's temporal. We're in a spiritual kingdom. Well, the kingdom, you know, was talked about in Daniel 2.44. He said, in the last days, there's going to be something to happen. He said in Daniel 7, he said, I saw in the night visions, and one like the Son of Man. And he came on the clouds of heaven, and he, he came into the Ancient of Days. And some tells us the Ancient of Days is gone. And there was given unto him a kingdom that would not pass away. It would not be left to another people. And all nations shall come and flow unto it. Well, you know, that was fulfilled. That Daniel 2.44 was fulfilled in the Acts, the second chapter. And in that second number two on your side of the Old Testament, the Lord's house was to be built by Isaiah. Isaiah said, The house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains that shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. When? In the last days. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be, it shall be exalted above the hills. It means all kinds of rulerships. No other rulership is equal to the Lord's house. And it shall be exalted above the other little ruling places, the hills. 
and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, for he will teach us in his ways, and we'll walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And did you know in Acts 2, that's exactly what happened. I want you to, I want you to think about that number five down here under the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit was to be given according to Joel. And you know when it came? Well, they quoted Joel 2 and verse 28 is quoted in Acts 2. He said, this is it. Why is it this? Well, it said, this is that which Joel spoke, that in the last days the Lord will pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. Oh, is that what he said? Well, he said it in Isaiah that he's going to establish the, the, his church in Jerusalem. And he said he's going to do that the last days. So it's all fulfilled, isn't it? It began in Jerusalem. All nations were admitted. And if you'll think about uh, Luke wrote in, in Acts, uh, I mean in, in uh, Luke 24, 26 through 27, you have that on your outline. He said in his gospel, before he writes the book of Acts, he said the beginning shall be in Jerusalem. And he said repentance and remission of sin should be preached among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's a fulfillment of these things that were said in the Old Testament. Can't miss it. The beginning, Luke said, and over in Acts, the beginning was Acts 2. How do you know? Because that's when the last days was, according to the Holy Spirit being poured out by Joel and the house of the Lord being established in the last days. But you know, when the Holy Spirit was guiding the apostle Peter, he spoke to Cornelius, the one, the first one that came in from all nations, the Cornelius. And the sheep was let down three times to let him know that he was an old stubborn Jew that didn't want to have anything to do with the Gentiles, that God had showed him that in every nation he that feareth God and worketh righteous shall be accepted with him. And when the six Jews called him on the carpet about that, he said, well, who was I to forbid water? Well, he said, God showed me that in every nation he that feareth God and worketh righteous shall be accepted with him. And he said, the Holy Spirit fell on those people and they talked and spoke and they had signs. And he said, just like we did at the beginning, when was the beginning? On Jerusalem. Now, that's too easy to, to miss. The kingdom, the church, has been established and it's been confirmed by the Old Testament. It has been fulfilled in the New. And Jerusalem is the time. And people today who want to be a member of the Lord's church, who wants to be a member of the Lord's kingdom, who wants to be delivered out of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son, all they have to do is read it in black and white. All nations are admitted. The Romans, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first, and also to the Greeks. 
For therein is revealed the righteousness of God. From faith unto faith that it is written, the just shall live by faith. Well, you know your third number down there, Christ will be king, is in Jeremiah 23, 5 through 6. But you know in Matthew 28 and 18, he is king. He came and he said, all authority. That means he's king. In heaven and earth, he's king. He's still king. Let me tell you, when you when you don't fear God and when you don't fear Christ, you're not revering the, the king. And when you don't recognize his church, you're not giving homage to the king. He came at the end of his life, after he was raised from the dead, and the last thing before he ascended to the Father, he said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. That means he's king. Jeremiah said, there's going to be a king. Nehemiah said, there's going to be a king and a priest at the same time. And he's both of them. In Acts 2 and verse 39 through 38, Peter preached the first gospel sermon. And he said, he said, well, the psalmist said this, seeing that, and he talked about the psalm and he quoted the psalm and he said, Wow, David, foreseeing this, spake about Jesus. He said, My Lord said, The Lord said unto my Lord, The Lord, Jehovah God, said unto my Lord, Jesus Christ, Sit here on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. He said, David didn't speak that of himself, he spoke that of Christ. And he spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul would not be left in hell, the unseen world. I told you, he said, the gates of hell shall not keep me from making my church. And so it did. And the first sermon said, his soul was not left in the Hadean world, and he was raised, and he's at the right hand of God. And see, uh, so the psalmist seeing this before, he spake of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not the second coming. The second coming? No. The resurrection. When he was raised and when he was ascended unto the Father. Christ is our King. Well, you know, what we have today, look at number four on your, under the Old Testament. Jeremiah 31, 31 said that the <clears throat> Lord had given us a new covenant. <clears throat> a new covenant of given to my people. Not like the one that I gave them when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. And they regarded not my ways. I regarded them not, saith the Lord. But this is a covenant that I'll, I'll make with them. And this is quoted in Hebrews twice, in 8, chapter 8 and chapter 10. This is the covenant I'll make with them. I'll put my, I'll put my <clears throat> laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write. And they shall not teach every man know the Lord, know the Lord, but each shall know me from the least to the greatest. Why? You'll be taught, and you'll believe, and you'll come into your heart and your life. In the Old Testament, they were born into the Jews' family, and then they were taught. But in the kingdom of God, you're taught and you're born by the water and by the Spirit. And you become sons of God. And the Spirit of God is given unto you. 
all the promises. I want you to look down at the <clears throat> bottom of your page there. Are fulfilled in Acts 2. All these promises that we talk about up here. Acts 2 gives the account of events of only one day. Day of Pentecost. 50 days after the resurrection of Christ. 40 days he spoke and appeared and was with his people. Then he ascended in 10 days before Acts 2 took place. And I want you to look over on the left side. Every scripture speaking of the kingdom or the church before Acts 2 speaks of it as being in the future. Isaiah 2, 2 through 4. Micah 4, 1 through 2 is the same thing that I quoted from Isaiah 2. Daniel 2, 44, and Daniel 7 that I quoted. Matthew 3, 1 through 7, and Matthew 16, 18, talking about the church. Mark 9, 1, not taste the death to see the kingdom of God come with power. That referred to the day of Pentecost. Matthew 6, 9, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He prayed that it would come and spread. Now, over on the other side, every scripture speaking of the kingdom after Acts 2, speaks of it as being in existence. In Acts 2.47, Luke writing there said, the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. Who was it should be saved? Well, Jesus said, he that believed and baptized should be saved. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins that's saved. See. Now, who, who was it added to the church? The ones that should be saved. And after... It's talking about that Acts 2. That's it started that day. Acts 2 speaks of it as being in existence. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. You've been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. It's in existence. Revelation 1, 4. But he told old John, the angel said, Well, I, I don't worship me. He said, I'm one of your fellow servants. I'm a participant in the kingdom of God with you. And it had been in existence ever since Acts 2. Now, there may be someone here this morning that is not a member of the Lord's church or is not a member of the kingdom of God. And, and you don't have salvation if you haven't. We studied in our class this morning about a person, Ethiopian eunuch, and it was very simply explained how that you can become a member of the Lord's church or the kingdom, just as simple as being told the story by the Ethiopian eunuch referring to Isaiah, 53rd chapter, about his death, burial, and resurrection. And he preached to him Jesus, and when he took preached to him Jesus, he wanted to be baptized. Well, why? That's the way you get into the death of Christ. That's the way you put him on, according to Galatians 3, 26, 27. You put him on. And according to Romans 6, baptism is a burial, and that's the definition of the Spirit. That's not the definition of in, a, in an English uh, bridge dictionary. Romans 6 said, Therefore we were buried with him by baptism. Now we can fuss about baptism and say, Well, there says, and... Uh, 
the English uh, dictionary says it's sprinkling, not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're buried with him at baptism. It has to be a burial. Why? Because it's the death and burial and resurrection of Christ you get into. And you put him on. He's real. He's here. Into my heart. You know, we sing a song, Into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. How, do you, how does he come in? You've got to hear. You've got to believe it. You've got to obey him. He became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. He said he's coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. How do you, in the world do you obey the gospel? Why, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 says, I preached to you first of all the gospel, how that Christ died, how he was buried, and was raised according to scripture for our sins. In Romans 6, he said, well, I'll explain to you how you get into the death of Christ. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in his life. And the 17th verse of that said, you have obeyed from the heart that form of teaching, that doctrine. Being then made free, it's too easy to understand, to not respond to it. You can be a member of the Lord's kingdom, of the Lord's church, not a denomination. It is the Lord's church. You belong to him. You're his people. It's been prophesied. It's been fulfilled. It's been preached, as it has been this morning. If you hear it, and if you're subject to it, we pray that God will bless you. And let me say, if you're not living in Christ, wonder how many times his feelings has been hurt. wonder how many times he's, he's just wondering why you don't love him because he loved you so much. We fall in love with Christ. We walk in him. He is the light. We need to continue to walk in him and work for him and let him work in us and through us. This is what Christian living is. And if you're not, if you're not a Christian, now's the time you should become. And if you haven't lived faithful, Dedicate yourself right now if, you, if it's just in your heart, but if it's done things that's brought reproach on the church, just make confession and we'll pray. And God, just like he gave us in Acts, the 8th chapter, old Simon, while well, he believed himself and he was baptized, but then he wanted to buy the gift so he could give the Holy Spirit to people and make money off of it. And Peter said, you don't have part of with this, and said, you, you're in this bond of iniquity and the gall of bitterness. You pray if perhaps the thought not be baptized again. He said, you pray if perhaps the thought of thine heart be forgiven thee. And that's what a person does when he's unfaithful as a church member. He prays and God forgives him. And you can do that now as we stand together and say. <coughs>